Okay, let's transition now and talk about Antiochus Epiphanes, and I have two things I want to do here. I want to overview the period of Antiochus Epiphanes, and then I want to take a little bit of time and show you another rather long clip that does a beautiful job of explaining some of the key characters and some of the key events associated with this. In 167, uh, actually slightly earlier than this, the fourth Seleucid ruler, Antiochus IV, appeared. He wasn't exactly the most humble of guys. Um, Epiphanes means Antiochus, the manifestation, by which he means the manifestation of, of a divine presence. Uh, there was a wordplay that was done off his name that translated into Antiochus, the madman. Now, what's happened in the interim is this, is that we have, we have come through these six battles, and what eventually happens is, is that the Seleucids lose to Rome, who is emerging from the north. In losing to Rome, they have to sign a huge reparations agreement for peace, and they have to pay a huge amount of taxes to Rome as tribute. So Antiochus has got a practical problem. He needs a monetary stimulus bill, okay? <laughs> All right, he needs to be able to raise large amounts of money to pay this tax that he owes the Romans, and he has no choice. So when we see Antiochus moving around and land grabbing and trying to get control of Egypt and other places. He's doing this as an attempt to raise the funds that he needs to pay off the Romans. It's important to appreciate about him because most people don't realize that that's part of what's motivating him. The other half of the equation is he's committed to Hellenization. In being committed to Hellenization, he wants to be sure that everybody assimilates to the dominant culture. By the way, this is an instinct that's still with us today. Think about the debates that we get into about how people should assimilate to the American culture if they come to the United States. Okay, only in this case, you export it as well. So in 167, Antiochus Epiphanes IV gave an edict forcing Hellenization. Uh, all the reasons for this edict are not clear. However, another, what, it, what is happening as we move into this period is, is that we have, um, we've had a series of efforts to purchase the high priesthood and negotiate with the high priesthood, and we've moved outside the genealogical lines. In other words, there is corruption all over the place. And so Menelaus bids to buy the priesthood, and of course, what does Antiochus need? He needs money. So someone comes and says, I'll pay you X amount for the high priesthood. And another guy comes along and says, I'll pay you X plus that amount for the priesthood. What are you going to do if you're the ruler? You're going to get as much money as you can. The leading families are continuing to fight for control of the situation. And Menelaus... Uh, as he bought the priesthood, allowed further reforms and plundered the temple to try and pay off his bid. 
He also got one of the old priests, one of the old respected priests at the beginning of this sequence, Onias III, assassinated. Now, these stories are told in another book that's in the Apocrypha, 2 Maccabees. Let me talk a second about these works. These books that we're talking about that are in the Apocrypha were not viewed by, as scripture by Jewish people, but they were respected as writings about Jewish heritage. Um, most of you go to Christian bookstores and you buy Christian books and you read Christian books and when you buy them, you don't go, well, I'm reading this because it's scripture. You buy it because you think to read it is helpful. It will instruct you in some way or it's telling you something about an area that you need to know. Well, that's how these apocryphal works functioned in Judaism. There was this recognition that knowing about your heritage was helpful. So after these events took place and after they, were, uh, after they took place and, and these events were recorded in the books of 1st and 2nd Maccabees, these books became an important part of the Jewish heritage because they recorded these events that were so key to the history of Judaism. We have Jason fighting Menelaus. Jason was, uh, was uh, Menelaus's opponent in trying to bargain for the priesthood. And Antiochus, having just lost to Rome, Antiochus IV goes to Jerusalem, supports Menelaus, and Jewish practice becomes outlawed. Copies of the Torah are destroyed, and the temple becomes a place of worship for Zeus, Athena, and Dionysius. Now you can just imagine how the Jews felt about their temple being converted into a pagan temple. He required the eating of pork. He required that pork be offered at a temple altar, uh, and at an altar both at the temple and at other locales. Okay, so not just in the central temple, but also in other worship places. All of this is recorded in 1st and 2nd Maccabees. The righteous end up being persecuted and the edict operated for three years while the Jews tried to reverse this uh, through, uh, really through violent engagement, through what became the Maccabean War. The edict and its practices spawned the Maccabean Revolt and the rise of the Hasmonean family under Mattathias and then Judas Mattathias shows the zeal for the law. With the support of the Hasidim, who are the ancestors to the Pharisees, the holy ones, these were the pious or righteous ones, they eventually recaptured Jerusalem and restored the temple worship on Kisle in Kislev 164, and this story is told in 1 Maccabees 4, 36 to 61, and the, and the celebration known as Hanukkah, or the Feast of Lights that takes place in the Jewish calendar, right about Christmas time every year, is the celebration of this victory. Shows you how important it is. Here is uh, a map of the Hasmonean kingdom at its zenith, as well as a description of Antiochus Epiphanes that you would read if you went to this museum on the history of Jerusalem that I told you about that's in the citadel in Jerusalem. The Seleucid king Antiochus IV Epiphanes 
175 to 163 are the dates of his rule, introduced radical changes into Jerusalem's culture and social life. The Hellenization of the city and religious persecutions provoked the Hasmonean or Maccabean revolt, which culminated in the Jewish recapture of the temple in 164 BCE. Full independence was regained by Simon the Maccabee in 161. So they fought and regained control in 164, but they continued to battle on and off over the next uh, 23 years until Simon the Maccabee finally regained control in 141. Jerusalem became the capital of the Hasmonean kingdom. And, however, the city's cultural and social life continued to be profoundly influenced by Hellenism. The Hasmonean kingdom enjoyed political independence for about 80 years until its conquest by the Roman general Pompey in 63 BCE. So we're entering into this, this key period in which there is a short, about 80-year period of independence. And then, uh, again, back into Roman hands. Okay, now, just to review, let's see what 1 Maccabees has to say about this period. And what you will see in this passage is the, the feelings that come through about the encroachment of Hellenism. From them came forth a sinful root. Talking about the king's of Alexander's, uh, of Alexander's uh, descendants. That is, the general's descendants. Antiochus Epiphanes, son of King Antiochus. That's Antiochus IV and Antiochus III. He had been a hostage in Rome, and he began to reign in the 137th year of the kingdom of the Greeks. That number is tallied from uh, Alexander's rule. In those days, certain renegades came out from Israel and misled many, saying, Let us go and make a covenant with the Gentiles around us, for since we separated from them, many disasters have come upon us. So here is a group wanting to have peace and, with the Hellenists and reflect their culture. This proposal pleased them, and some of the people eagerly went to the king who authorized them to observe the ordinances of the Gentiles. So they built a gymnasium in Jerusalem, a gymnasium in ancient culture wasn't just a, a workplace, it was like a, a school place, an education place, um, athletic activity, which all took place in the nude because of this elevation of the human body. All of that, was a, that, that aspect was particularly offensive to the Jews. So they built a gymnasium in Jerusalem according to Gentile custom and removed the marks of circumcision and abandoned the Holy Covenant. They joined with the Gentiles and sold themselves to do evil. The writer doesn't like that this is happening. <laughs> now on the 15th day of Kislev, in the 145th year, they erected a desolating sacrilege on the altar of burnt offering. They also burnt alt burnt, built altars in the surrounding towns of Judah, Judah and offered incense at the doors of the houses and in the streets. The books of the law that they found, they tore to pieces and burned with fire. <laughs> Anyone found possessing the book of the covenant or anyone who adhered to the law was condemned to death by the decree of the king. They kept using violence against Israel, against those who were found month after month in the towns. On the 25th day of the month, they offered sacrifice on the altar that was on top of the altar of burnt offering. According to the decree, they put to death women who had their children circumcised and their families and those who circumcised them, and they hung the infants from their mother's necks. 
But many in Israel stood firm and were resolved in their heart not to eat unclean food. They chose to die rather than to be defiled by food or profane the holy covenant, and they did die. Very great wrath came upon Israel. Now we turn to the Maccabees. What, what did this cause? Well, this caused the rising up of a certain group of people who were zealous for the law. In those days, Mattathias, son of John, son of Simeon, priest of the family of Jorib, moved from Jerusalem and settled in Modin. Modin is located between Jerusalem, which is kind of in the middle of Israel, and uh, and Tel Aviv, which is located on the coast where if you fly into Israel, that's where you fly in. It's, it's right between those two locations. Uh, still, a, still a functioning city today. He had five sons. John surnamed Gaddy, Simon called Thassi, Judas called Maccabeus. Now you see where the name Maccabees comes from. Eliezer called Avaron, and Jonathan called Aphus. He saw the blasphemies being committed in Judah and Jerusalem and said, Alas, why was I born to see this, the ruin of my people, the ruin of the holy city, and to live where it was given over to the enemy, the sanctuary given over to aliens? Again, you can see, even sense the emotion. And actually, the entirety of 1 Maccabees chapters 1 and the beginning of chapter 2 has this feel to it, this sense of regret and lamentation over what's happening what happened to the city as a reflection of the way people felt about what was going on with the Hellenization. The king's officers who were enforcing the apostasy came to the town of Modin to make them offer sacrifice. Now remember, they're going to sacrifice a pig. They're going to sacrifice a pig outside the temple. So there are multiple violations of the law involved here. Many of it from Israel came to them, and Mattathias and his sons were assembled. Then the king's officers spoke to Mattathias as follows, You are a leader, honored and great in this town, and supported by sons and brothers. Now be the first to come and do what the king commands, as all the Gentiles and the people of Judah and those that are left in Jerusalem have done. Then you and your sons will be numbered among the friends of the king, and you and your sons will be honored with silver and gold and many gifts. So come and sacrifice, support the Hellenization, and the state will reward you as a leader. But Mattathias answered and said in a loud voice, even if all the nations that live under the rule of the king obey him and have chosen to obey his commandments, every one of them abandoning the religion of their ancestors, I and my sons and my brothers will continue to live by the covenant of our ancestors. Far be it from us to desert the law and the ordinances. We will not obey the king's words by turning aside from our religion to the right hand or to the left. And when he had finished speaking these words, a Jew came forward in the sight of all to offer sacrifice on the altar in Modin, according to the king's command. When Mattathias saw it, he burned with zeal. And there's a traditional Jewish phrase that talks about people uh, burning with zeal for the law. This is where it comes from. He burned with zeal and his heart was stirred. He gave vent to righteous anger. He ran and killed him on the altar. At the same time, he killed the king's officer who was forcing them to sacrifice. He tore down the altar. Thus, he burned with zeal for the law, just as Phineas did against Zimri, son of Zalud. So, 
This is the beginning, according to the book of Maccabees, of the struggle to regain the observance of the law in Israel. And the Maccabean family uh, is, the, is the family that stood up for the law. And uh, Judas Maccabees becomes the key figure in this, uh, in this situation.